You are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail. Among the best, you will find the worst. You're probably thinking, goodness, Gleason, who are you talking about, man? Well, (laughs) I'm talking about where you're at right now. Hopefully it's not you. But if you are set out to find that perfect place, that perfect home, that perfect neighborhood, that perfect school, that perfect job, and yes, that perfect church, not happening. There is always going to be some wheat among the tares. There will always from time to time be a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. There is no such thing as a perfect world. There is no such thing as a perfect setting. No such thing as a perfect organization. No such thing as a perfect nation or a country. There's no such thing even as a perfect day. Have you ever had a tried to have a perfect day? I'm talking about wake up on time, have a perfect breakfast, put on perfect clothes, perfect hair, uh, have no red lights, all green lights on your way to the office. And at the office, get everything done that you wanted to get done and get home exactly on time and just have a perfect evening and go to bed on time. The list goes on. I've never had a day like that in my life. Have you? I haven't. Even among good days, you have bad moments. I have for the past several years described my mood like the tide, like the ocean. During the day, you have high tide and low tide. It's impossible to even keep a perfect mood all day. Most of the time, I'm happy, upbeat, but then there's just certain moments throughout the day uh, where I feel sluggish, (laughs) where I feel tired. I feel like, bleh. That's just how it is. But I want to talk about the worst that you can find even in perfect places, and it's out there. It's it's every day out there on the news. And I'm I'm American. I know we have a, a audience that listens from other nations around the world, in Canada and other places. And the things I'm talking about, of course, can apply to your world, your life. But I just I've got my eyes on this country got my eyes on this world and even though there's bad news every day there is just this movement out there that is just trying to picture the world in like a fantasy <laughs> type setting and i mean they're pushing socialism they're pushing globalism they're pushing community they're pushing inclusion they're uh, you know pushing Harmony and peace and love is love. All of these things, great language that is usually covered with ulterior motive, some type of scheme out there. And uh, one of these uh, big ones is adultery, or not adultery. <laughs> Maybe, hopefully, we won't get to that, but I mean abortion. Sorry. Abortion, yeah. 
the slaughter of the innocent, the murder within the womb. Yeah. But it's all covered in familiar language. It always has been, uh, such as choice. Well, choice is good. Freedom, that's good, right? So they stick those things in the idea of abortion to make it sound nice. Uh, Rights. Rights. It's a woman's right. A woman's right. Well, what does that mean? Well, what is a woman? Well, they can't even answer that. There's there's, uh, some uh, behind-the-scenes strife even right now in that community with uh, the non-binary and then the women's rights community, with uh, language and lingo and things like that. I'm talking about the, the really the Roe v. Wade issue that's going on right now. It was leaked out of the Supreme Court. Go read the news story. It's really interesting. Something really neat to follow in history. Uh, could be made. We'll see. You know, I've suspected uh, that it could be overturned. A lot of us have. It's possible. I don't know. But abortion, you know, it's I mean, it, for us as Christians, it, it is sin to us based upon the word of God. But in the eyes of the courts of men, it is perfectly lawful if somebody chooses to do so. But looking aside from that, let's look at the motive of this thing. My observation and just hearing people on social media and watching this and listening to podcasts, about the talk about abortion, really what it is, it's passion and outrage over the possibility of of overturning this. That's why there's protests and things going on. And the reason why there is so much passion in this is because within the community that is pro-choice, there's a lot of fornication. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of, I already said it, I'll say it again, adultery. In that community, I hate to say the abortion community, I don't want to call them that. But, you know, I guess you could call them leftists. Of course, maybe not all leftists are for abortion. I don't really know, but just that whole group that uh, is just really for leftist ideology, really for liberal ideology. They're really into fornication, adultery that happens in their parties and things like that. You know, because they're all pro-drugs. Drugs, drugs, drugs. All that culture. You know, no police, you know, just drugs and freedom and happiness, the whole Woodstock thing. And so, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of talk about marriage in that community, husband and wife. You know, some, but for the most part, no, there is no biological husband, biological wife. So you don't have that. You take out nuclear family. You take out traditional family, biblical family. It's all gone. So in that community, children is not really the goal. It's not really the goal in the pro-choice community. They don't want responsibility of being a parent. And they really certainly don't want what having a child might do to their bodies, their bods. You know, they would rather get through college and go on to having a career than having a beautiful baby girl out of wedlock. Yeah, they get pregnant in their senior year of high school, and they're like, I've got a scholarship, I've got college, I've got a future, and this baby's going to kill my future, I can't have this baby, and they abort the baby. So that's the pro-choice uh, route, and it's common, that happens a lot, actually. And then some of them, they just don't want to have kids, they don't want to be a parent, because what it might do to their body, they would rather have abs, 
They would rather have a butt. They'd rather have bosoms than have a baby boy. That's what they're worried about is their body. And worrying about their image and their body. All of that abortion done in the name of self-image. Among the best of humanity, you will find the worst. Just like that. (laughs) But for this Roe v. Wade issue, whether it's lawful or not in the courts of men, we have a higher law that we follow. And that is the law of Christ. The law of God, the word of God. For us apostolics, we follow biblical marriage. Husbands and wife go forth and multiply. For us, abortion is known in the Bible as ripping the baby from the womb. They would do that for their pagan gods. For us, it is sinful. For us, it is evil. For us, it is wicked and it breaks the heart of heaven, which is why we don't do it. Now, we live peaceably with all men as the Bible commands. And you know what? We're not going to get in the way of anybody. You know, they're out there protesting in front of the Supreme Court. I have yet to see a group of apostolics stand outside of a Planned Parenthood uh, center and protest it or set it on fire or assault uh, one of the workers. I've never seen that. We are a people of peace. And we practice our faith and practice our religion quietly. We sure do. I believe wholeheartedly that every person is going to be judged by every work they have ever done, whether it be good or whether it be evil, by Almighty God. And every person that has ever aborted a baby, they will have to give an account to God for that. They sure will. It's what the Word says. It's what's going to happen. And witnesses will be called forward. So every judgment that God makes, it will be just. It won't just be made up. It won't be any, there won't be any corruption in the court of heaven. And probably the people that aborted their baby, God will bring those souls of those children who were aborted out to face their parents. And they'll give a witness, yes, that person was my biological mother. She terminated my life. Yes, that man was my biological father, father, and he forced my mother to terminate my life. And there will be no good reason for it to be justified in the eyes of God. For children are a heritage unto the Lord, whether they're born by fornication, whether they're born by adultery, or whether they're born by force. All children are the heritage of the Lord. Mm. I love, I love my city, Kansas City. I love this country. There's so many things throughout the world that I love to see. But sadly, we have to serve the Lord in this world that he created. A world that he created so he could dwell in a lower realm. Heaven is his high realm. Earth is his lower realm. And God's spirit is here. It's everywhere. And I see God doing so many things. But in the midst of God's beautiful works, you will find the worst. And abortion is a part of the worst. And I'm praying for this to be overturned. I haven't really followed it in the last few days. 
But I just know this. You know what? If they don't want to have kids, I, I've lived by an old saying, if your enemy's going to make a mistake, let them make it. And if they want to abort their kids, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get in their way much. I'll preach and teach. That's it. But I know this. If you're listening to this, and you're lost and you know it, and you've aborted a baby, I've got good news. Christ died on a cross for you. And I know this is Mental Health Awareness Month. You know where a lot of women, and yes, some men, where they were driven insane that moment? It's when they aborted a baby. Deep inside of your soul, you know that it was unlawful and unnatural and so displeasing to the Lord. And when you experience that, it brings you to that worst part of this world. I've come to tell you, there is so much hope for you in forgiveness. It's real. It's available. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand for you. But for those of us that don't participate in that, we preach against it. We've lived against it. We're doing everything we can to try to keep our cool. I mean, some people want to just scream out loud at the insanity of this. It's divided our nation over it. And a lot of issues and a lot of times the reason why some politicians who are as corrupt and as crooked as a dog's hind leg get elected it's because of abortion people want their abortions they got abortions on their minds it's how they live it's how they cope it's how they function and for those of us sitting here wondering how do we reach those people how do we how do we talk to them that's it's difficult it sure is Jeremiah in the Old Testament, one of God's young prophets, stood on the temple steps preaching and proclaiming, not peace, not that God was about to do good things. Oh, no, he had to preach what God told him, and God said, calamity is coming from the north. Babylon will invade this land. And he preached it and taught it, but the false prophets criticized him. The elders and the nobles of the land said, no, 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 God is for us. Look at all our prosperity Look at how good things are. And Jeremiah said, no, they're not. He said, within our own temple are idols to Baal. And the priests are performing Baal rituals in our temple. And he looked down towards the south. Down towards the south, over the walls, over the gates of the city, smoke was arising. It was smoke that was coming out of the furnace of the belly of the idol called Moloch. People were offering their children in the fire to Moloch. Abortion. That's what it was. All in the name of pleasing that God. You think about that. That's how he had to preach. That was his audience on the temple steps. Behind the doors of the temple, corrupt priests. And to the south, people burning their children. It is no wonder he said, I had to stop. I had to quit. But the Holy Ghost was like, fire in my bones. And I had to keep talking. You gotta learn how to minister in even the best environments, but knowing there is the worst. This Ukraine war, man. I've talked about it. I don't know where to begin. I really don't even know where to end. 
It's a mess. It's a disaster. And you know who's uh, talking about it now? Pope Francis. He has uh, repeatedly, repeatedly uh, called this cruel and senseless, and I agree with that. He's not really mentioning Putin by name or Moscow by name in the cruelty, the senselessness of this war. And as far as I can tell, he really hasn't called for peace. He's calling for economic peace. He's been saying that. What, what is that? Economic peace. <laughs> How about just peace between Ukraine and Russia, please? I don't hear anybody talking about peace. Nobody's talking about peace in this war. I, th I think they really want war. That's what's going on. This post says, the Pope says, I'm not going to Kiev for now. I feel I shouldn't. I have to go to Moscow first. I have to meet Putin first, he said. Francis also said that the Russian Orthodox patriarch, Kirill, a close Putin ally, cannot become Putin's altar boy. <laughs> what? That's Catholic lingo that I'm not sure I understand. Dialogue with the Orthodox Church, which separated from the Catholic Church in the year 1054, is a priority of Francis's pontificate. But since Russia invaded Ukraine this past February, the Pope's calls for peace have contrasted with Creel's defense of Putin's fight with his fight against the external and eternal enemies of Russia. Man, the Pope wants to meet with Putin. Doubt it'll happen, but hey. I'm just I'm looking at this Pope. I'm trying to get his little white shoes under the war table. I've observed Pope Francis. I observed Pope Benedict and the guy before him, John. You know, I've been to I've never been to a Catholic Mass. I've only been to their funerals, and I gotta say they're actually <coughs> excuse me, quite impressive. I actually like it. You know, it's interesting to be a part of something I'm not. And to see all the stained glass and the statues. I, I don't know. I'm not saying I want to worship there, but I just kind of, it It was intriguing to me. You know, how they, they're, they're kind of their system and their, the order that they do. And, and very impressive. They have a great respect for the dead. They really do. They have nice, very nice uh, cemeteries. They, they do a, a great thing to comfort the family. Yeah, there's, there's something to be said for that. So I'm not knocking the Catholic Church. They do a lot of good, especially their hospitals. They're the best. Catholic hospitals are tremendous. But this, this Pope, when's the last time you heard him talk about God? I don't hear him talk about God. <laughs> I hear him talk about climate change. Climate change. Socialism. And saying things like Adam and Eve weren't real. And now he wants to talk to Putin about the war? What is this pope? I tell you what, he's the worst among the best right now as far as I'm concerned. To me, he's a political operative of the socialist new world order. Nobody's making calls for peace. Every day in this war, coming up on 90 days, you have Zelensky every day threatening Russia with other nations' military and other nations' weapons. That's what he's doing. Angry, making demands. It's crazy. And yeah, Putin. 
We said at the beginning of all of this, if you interfere, talking about outsiders, other nations, if you interfere from the outside, you will face consequences greater than any you have faced in your history. Vladimir Putin, uh, February 23rd, 2022. The only other option, aside from peace, is for somebody to stop this war. Russia could stop, but they're not going to stop. Ukraine could stop by surrendering. Not happening. Maybe another nation could step in and stop one or the other. And I've always believed, when will it stop? It'll stop when you stop it. But nobody wants to stop, and I'm afraid we are looking at possibly another endless foreign war. We're on the brink of World War III. And it's got me on edge big time. I got to say, even more than COVID-19 two years ago, I am on edge. It's a different on edge. We're not feeling it here right now in the States. I know they're feeling it in Ukraine and other places in the world. And I remember at the beginning of all this, when I was praying for Ukraine, I could hear voices in my head and ask God what it was. I was hearing the prayers of the saints in Ukraine. And I can still hear those prayers. God is, I just feel like it's a sign from God. He hears what's going on. Praise the Lord. On February 23rd, I remember it was a Wednesday night after service. I was sitting there watching the news. And I mean, people on the news who were normally sarcastic, funny, ripping on, you know, this politician, that politician were not in a laughing, sarcastic mood. It was very serious as Russia was set up to invade Ukraine. And I, I turned the, the computer off and I knelt down and prayed and I said, God, what do I say about Russia? What do I say about Putin? And the spirit came to me and said, who made you a judge in this matter? Who made you a judge in this matter? And, you know, I've really been uh, critical of the don't judge movement. Don't judge. Because I just personally believe I don't judge. I simply warn people about the judge, Jesus Christ, who will judge. I don't judge anybody. I warn them about the judgment that's coming. God said it. Who made you a judge? Stop judging. Don't even judge the situation. Is this your, even your call? You know what? It's not. It's not my business. And I hope it stays that way. If America gets involved, then yes, I think I will have God's blessing to start talking about it. Because none of this is my business. We don't have any national security interest in Ukraine or Russia. I'm still amazed at our president, Joe Biden, his restraint in all of this. I seriously cannot believe it. I, th I thought we were going to war like the next day, but he is restrained. It's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm sure some people listening to this are Democrats and fans of Joe Biden. Uh, that is your your business, and uh, I'm glad you can listen to this show and we can all be friends. I have, I have friends that are Democrats. I, I knew great preachers, great preachers. So if I named some of the names, you would be shocked uh, that are Democrats in, in, amongst us. So, yeah, some people say if you vote Democrat, you're going to hell. Well, if you vote Republican, does that mean you're going to heaven? <laughs> I mean, politics is politics and church is church. But, I, you know, let's just be honest here. 
there's a lot about this administration that is failing. And a lot of times in history, failing presidents, they get into a war, they do so to save their presidency. And I'm worried that's what is happening. My fear, in the best case scenario, the best case scenario, what I fear is that this uh, this war, it will be endless. It's going to go on for a while, but it will be contained between Russia and Ukraine. And hopefully uh, Ukraine comes out on top because it's a sovereign nation and it has a right to defend itself. Let me be clear, Russia is the aggressor here, not Ukraine. This was not provoked. But uh, the Pope is barking real loud right at Russia's door and saying that NATO caused this. That's what this Pope is saying. NATO caused this. <clears throat> I'm like, Pope, are you trying to dump uh, gasoline on the fire here? Why is he getting political about this? Well, because he thinks he can judge this situation. Coming back to uh, my fears, worst case, Russia... Russia, you know, with their invasion of Ukraine creates a domino effect and China then invades Taiwan. North Korea invades South Korea and then Iran invades Israel. Oh my God. And that, World War III. We're talking about soon coming food shortages, famines all throughout the world. In this world, among the best, you'll find the worst. You think about that, a famine, a food shortage. I know here in America, most of us, that's yeah, that's so foreign to us. I remember in the 90s, they were really uh, in the public schools talking about starving people. Everybody was starving. You remember that? Everybody was starving. And I mean, there's there's quite a bit of a liberal presence here in Kansas City. I remember you know, going to restaurants and looking around at people. Uh, they're at the restaurant, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but I mean, you look at their calves, those swollen diabetes legs, you know, eating away as happy as can be with their family. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> I don't see the starving around here. When's the last time you saw somebody dead in the road because they starved to death? I just don't see it. I, I think it's just a part of the plan of the socialist new world order. Keep us all happy. <laughs> Keep us all fat and happy. You know, you got TV shows, My 600-Pound Life. Almost every week I hear somebody talking about that show. I've never watched an episode. Maybe I will. I don't preach against that show. There's some people that just love that show. I don't know. A food shortage, I, it's hard to imagine, but could it happen? Yes, it is possible. I mean, Jesus said it would happen. There will be famines during a time of pestilence and a time of war. We're in the middle of it all. Might be start to start. Might be smart to start prepping a little bit here and there. Among the best, you'll find the worst. I got to read more and more about this pope, and something I forgot about. I think I talked about it a couple of years ago here on the show. The uh, prophecies of the Irish saint Malachi, who lived in uh, the year 1094, passed away in 1148, said to be a Catholic prophet. And uh, his prophecies have thrilled and dismayed readers for centuries. It's, it's pretty interesting. And what he did, he got a glimpse of all the future popes and wrote 
uh, just short mottos about their names and what they would do. And he predicted the last pope, which is the pope that's right now, Pope Francis. This is the last pope, and he said about him, in the final persecution of the Holy Roman Church, there will reign Peter the Roman, who will feed his flock in many tribulations, after which the seven-hilled city will be destroyed and the dreadful judge will judge the people. The end. That's it. So according to Malachi, who got a lot of prophecies right about the popes that came after him. I mean, it's a big old list. And a lot of uh, people who are interested in this have interpreted the prophecies, and it's amazing how much he got right and accurate. I, whether he's a true prophet, I don't know. Perhaps he used divination like Nostradamus. A lot of those Catholic uh, mystics would do this. Uh, divination is real. Uh, you can really understand a lot of what is to come through demons. That's uh, forbidden, forbidden by the Lord. It's uh, it's darkness. He may have done that. I I don't know. I don't really care <laughs> care to know. But the point is, a lot of Catholics believe this. A lot of the world believes this. This is the last and final pope to really uh, usher in the end. So what does this prophecy mean? Well, Pope Francis, who was born uh, Jorge Mario Bergoglio, Bergoglio, probably mispronounced his name. He chose the, the, the papal name in honor of St. Francis of Assisi. One theory about this that the Irish prophet Malachi got right is Pope St. Francis, his father's name was Petro or Peter. I don't know. Among the best, you will just find the worst. And we got to keep going and keep moving and keep after it. I think it's just easy to see hypocrisy here and there, problems here and there, one little thing here and there, and just totally discourage you. That is a trick and a tactic of the enemy. That's all there is to it. It has been 40 days since the horrible, awful, sickening, atrocious story appeared in the news about a certain worship leader in a in a UPC church who was found guilty, guilty of sexual crimes against a teenager in the local church. I... <sighs> It is just sad. It is, um, I mean, just grotesque. It's uh, repulsive uh, what happened there. I'm acquainted with these families. I really want to speak out to people who have seen this, and it's just crushed your heart and crushed your faith and damaged your soul and causing more and more distrust and disdain for spiritual leadership. That's who I really uh, have been praying for in all of this. I've A lot of people have contacted me about this, and I debated whether or not to even talk about it. But I just feel to talk about it. You know, A lot of people have made calls 
you know, for charges to be made against some of the known associates of the convicted, saying it was a cover-up and saying, you know, this girl is also to blame and, and this and that, and for request me being made to lessen the sentence, all of that. A lot of people who have uh, are disgruntled against the UPC, who, who were UPC, left the UPC very disgruntled. They're saying we're going to end up on some documentary on TV because of all the cover-ups. You know, there's some people are saying, how could this happen? Why could this happen? You know, if you have the Holy Ghost, all of that, you know. I mean, this issue got so severe. And I waited 40 days because a lot of emotions have died down. And I've learned when emotions are raw, you can't reason with anybody. No matter what you say, no matter how much Bible you use or logic or reason or whatever. But I mean, even uh, upper level leadership issued statements about this. Resignations happened. And I think uh, a lot of people had to take a step back and realize, okay, there is separation between church and state. There is separation between spirituality you know, and the natural, and there's a different process in how we respond uh, to sin and crime. You know, abuse crimes are very serious, I, I, especially here in Missouri, whether they're physical, sexual, verbal, any of that, and you need to report it. Other, otherwise, your charges are going to be brought down on you. You know, and it's it's a good system. It means you don't always have to confront. You can just simply report and let the authorities do their job. And I think sometimes you need to you need you need to take a closer look at the situation and really assess it, and really even now think about what are you going to do when you hear about abuse. Well, Romans chapter 13, verse 4, the word says, For he, this is uh, a civil leader of a nation, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister. An avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. This, this leader who doesn't bear the sword in vain, it's not talking about a preacher. It's not talking about a, a leader in the church. It's talking about a leader in a nation. Paul says it. The Word says it. New Testament. He is God's minister to you for good. And civil authorities, the police, investigators, the judges, the justice system, all of this is for your good. And to try to intermingle and interfere with this and to try to stop and make a mockery of American law, I don't think God is with it ever in any case. And so with situations in churches that arise like this or in at your workplace or anywhere, you need to let the civil authorities do their job and execute the power that God has given to them. I think before it's all said and done, every minister in this generation is going to have to report something. You will. It's just so saddening, the world that we live in. The worst of the worst is coming out. And there's nothing we can do. It's just going to happen. Jesus said it would happen. You will have wheat among the tares. You will have wolves dressed as sheep among you. There will be false prophets arise. And it's happening in our generation. It's creeping in. LGBTQ, it's not just going to stop there. Pedophilia is trying to get in. 
you know this uh, the what, what's her name Katanji Brown who was light on on uh, sex offenders. That's out there. Let's lessen the consequences for them. Let's lessen their punishment. You know they're just as normal and special as everybody else, right? So I thank God for our legal system, and I hope it gets stronger and more severe on these issues. You know, but we got to be patient and kind and love everybody. And people are born that way. People are born that way. Darkness. Horrible. I'd report it, and I wouldn't ask for any less of a sentence. They deserve it. Because, you know, really, in the old days, they used to hang up people like that by their toes and whip them to death. Yeah, that's how they did it with somebody who did something like this. It's a hard one. It's painful. And I know people are hurting and people are mad and people are frustrated, but I'm telling you, don't let it discourage your walk with God. Don't let it discourage your faith in the church because we got a great church. we got a great organization. You need to be looking within. You know, when this situation happened, you know what I did? I fell down on the ground and repented. I repented for myself. I repented for our fellowship. I repented for everybody I knew that possibly could, you know, be damaged by this. Because, I mean, everybody saw it. Goodness. That's what you got to do. Repent of the evils of the people. That's what Daniel did for his people there in Babylon. Three times a day got up and said, God, I'm sorry that we were such fools in transgressing against your law. God, I'll bless you for that if you will repent of the sins of other people. I mean, look at the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. It's an us thing. You got to be slow to judge. Got to look within and do everything you can to pray against the spirits of this age that are trying to pull people down. I mean, the devil is still doing anything he can to destroy us in this situation. It's just horrible. Just remember this, what I've been saying. And I've never, I don't think I've ever repeated a title this much in an episode, but it's been in my spirit. Among the best, you will find the worst. That's how it is. Look at Jesus, his 12. They were the greatest apostles, but among them was a betrayer, Judas. And earlier this year, we had a a man who's a very successful pastor who was once a part of our fellowship who built one of the fastest growing churches in America and resigned due to uh, confessing to having an extramarital affair. I mean, does that mean that every, everybody, every minister who's left the UPC is into that? No, it doesn't. And every worship leader in our fellowship, does that mean that they're a pervert? No, it doesn't mean that. Because somehow the worst of humanity has its way of intermingling and hiding among the best. Remember what I taught you last summer. When you see hypocrisy, does that mean you tuck tail and run? No. Does that mean you get full of hate? No. Jesus said you've got to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You've got to exceed the hypocrites. And all these people, I got bad news for you that have left church because of hypocrites. 
You know where hypocrites are go in eternity? They go to hell. Where do you think you're going to go for leaving church? Hell. If you don't like hypocrites now, you don't want to be around them in eternity. That's why you've got to stick with the true Jesus in the real church. I believe in consequences. I think we need to get back to strong consequences. I don't, I've never met this individual I'm talking about. Never have. I don't know the situation. I don't even want to figure it out. All I know is that we need to pray and we need to repent. We need to keep a, a positive outlook on the church and a positive outlook on Jesus during all of this. You know, pour your heart out to God if you're struggling with this situation or maybe a situation that's happened in, in your church or your own personal life. And say, God, I know you've been, you went through so many temptations just like us and I need your help. You were touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Help me get through this and help me to believe in your goodness and to believe in your grace and your mercy and the best and the best in people and the best in the church. My dad taught me, he said, just, just because you're my son doesn't mean you're going to get off scot-free when you mess up. He said, there will always be consequences. I remember I was about 10. He said, Justin, I can't spank you anymore. I'll ground you here and there. But really, you're becoming a man, and you're just going to have to learn that, yeah, dad can give you consequences. You can you know, receive some punishment in your home, but there are cops out there. The law is out there. There's authority out there. And you cross them, you're going to be in trouble. And you've just got to learn now with consequences. I remember him telling me that. And I behaved until I was about 13 years old. They came out with laser pins. You remember those, the laser pins? <laughs> you know, back in you know, the early 90s, nobody knew what they were. A little red light would appear on the wall. You're like, what is that? You know? And so I got one and had a lot of fun with that thing. And I'll never forget, my dad was doing a Bible prophecy series in our church, and he bought his own laser pin and had a, a member of our staff there on the front row and this was in the days when you did overheads, and he had his overhead up there and talking about Bible prophecy and things like this and that. You know, it was in the 90s leading up into the, the new millennium, and a lot of you know people were concerned. He's up there teaching, and, he, and his staff member is using his laser pen to make uh, put the little red dot on the points that pastor's making. I'm there with my laser pen, and I thought, you know what? I can do a better job than him, and I shine my little light <laughs> up there. Two little red lights up here. And you could hear people in the audience go, huh? <laughs> and my dad didn't even know. And so I started shining the light. <laughs> Somebody told dad, and he came right up to me after service and said, give me that light. And I never saw that light ever again. <laughs> and I got grounded. Consequences. And having those consequences, I learned something that you know, you, it's not good to get away with things. you got to feel it. It's God's way of chastening who he loves and correcting. And prison will do that for some people. Some people, they can only be saved with prison. Some people, they can only live for God and be a good person if they're in prison. Some people, they get out and, they, and they're fine and they change. And God's grace restores them. And I hope we see something like that with this situation. I don't know. 
one thing I know is we got to take care of ourselves. I would encourage you to pray and to repent and confess the sins of this world, the abortion that's out there, the people that are beating the war drums in politics. It's sin to desire the conflicts of nations, but it's what Satan wants. It's what the beast wants. The hypocrisy you've seen in this situation. It's dark. It's evil. It's hard to take. You know what? I, when the whole, when everything goes wrong, I'm not going wrong with it. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Everything's going to be okay. I love you. Okay.